are listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. Though located in the heart of the Silicon Valley, you will hear fervent, old-fashioned revival preaching from the pulpit of North Valley Baptist Church. It is our desire that you will be helped by this gospel message. Ezekiel chapter 3, please. My wife asked me how I was doing before the service. I said, I feel like the boy... That, uh, or the man who was peering over his fence in his backyard and he saw a boy uh, who was digging and he looked at the boy and said, what are you doing? He's kind of trying to wipe the tears out of his eyes. The boy said, I'm burying my goldfish. It died. The man looked at the size of the hole and he said, that sure is a big hole for a little goldfish. The boy said, that's because he's inside your cat. My wife said, what are you talking about? I said, I don't know what I'm getting into with the book of Ezekiel here, trying to preach an overview in a 30-minute time frame on a Wednesday night, a 48-chapter book of the Bible that's beautiful. And I feel a little bit perhaps like John felt as he closed the gospel of John. In John chapter 21, in verse 25, John states, there are also many other things which Jesus did, the which if they should be written, every one that I... Uh, believe the world itself could not contain the things that should be written. And so tonight, my two fears are this. I won't do justice to covering the entire book of, Ecclesi- of uh, Ezekiel. Excuse me. That's my first fear. My second fear is that I have too much material tonight as we cover the book of Ezekiel. So uh, both of them are in contrast, but uh, it's a beautiful, beautiful book. And I'm honestly humbled and honored to be here tonight. We're in Ezekiel chapter number 3, and let's look down beginning in verse 16. We're going to read two verses here, Ezekiel 3, verse 16 and 17. We're going to jump in and start moving very quickly. It came to pass at the end of seven days that the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Son of man, I have made thee a watchman unto the house of Israel. Therefore hear the word at my mouth and give them warning for me. The book of Ezekiel is an exciting book. It can be a bit puzzling at times. Ezekiel's vision of the glory of God could cause anybody to stand in awe of the greatness of God. Ezekiel's strange symbolic acts before the people of Israel are at times very perplexing. His powerful and dramatic prophecies against the nation make this book very fascinating and very challenging to study. Ezekiel not only delivered God's message, but he lived out the message before them. God commanded Ezekiel to do a number of symbolic acts in order to get the attention of his people. In chapter 4, we see him making as if he's going to war. We see him lie on one side for a certain number of days. We see him in chapter 5, shave his hair and then shave his beard and Chapter 12, act like he's fleeing from war. And there are a number of various symbolic acts or sermons that he gives. The name Ezekiel means God strengthens. Ezekiel did exactly that. He was a priest in captivity that God called to be a prophet. As he was preaching to the Jews of the captivity in Babylon, as he began his ministry, Jeremiah was coming to the end of his ministry ministering as he was preaching to the people back in Israel. He had been in in captivity for five years when God called him to be a prophet. It was Ezekiel's unpopular responsibility to tell the people that God was going to destroy 
Jerusalem. The people believed that judgment was coming, but they believed that judgment was coming to Babylon, not Jerusalem. Ezekiel also had the task of sharing the good news that there would also be a glorious restoration of the people and a rebuilding of the temple. May I say tonight that God may give us undesirable tasks at times, and God may even take us through seasons in life or ministry, but we must recognize it's not all bad. There are a lot of great days ahead, and the best is yet to come. So I start with the outline tonight I believe God would have for us. First of all, we see is Ezekiel's reason. I stole the letter R from Brother Cooper. Ezekiel's reason in chapters 1 through 3. As we consider Ezekiel, he's referred to as the Son of Man 93 times in this book. God reminding Ezekiel how frail he was and how mighty God is. In chapter 1, Ezekiel gets a glimpse of God's glory. In chapter 2, he hears the Word of God. Some 37 plus times, the statement, the Word of the Lord came unto Ezekiel. In chapter 3, we see him receive God's call to be a watchman. And that's where we find ourselves tonight in verse 16 and 17. So what is a watchman tonight? A watchman is simply a guard, as many of our college students are security guards here in the area. They are to be watchmen. As I dove into this study tonight, I, I feel like I know my pastor a lot better than before. As I think of our pastor, I think of Nehemiah, a builder. But as I study Ezekiel and I see him as a watchman, I'm reminded of our pastor as a watchman as well. And I thank God for the watchman that he is. Ezekiel was divinely inspired and anointed and appointed by God. He was not a self-appointed watchman. Churches today don't need more self-appointed leaders, do they? Seven times we see the hand of the Lord. If you want to jot some notes down, I'll, I'll, I'll kind of read to you very quickly. Ezekiel chapter 1 and verse 3, and the hand of the Lord was there upon him. Ezekiel 3 and verse 14, the hand of the Lord was strong upon me, he states. Chapter 3 and verse 22, the hand of the Lord was there upon me, he says. In chapter 8 and verse 1, that the hand of the Lord... God fell there upon me. In chapter 33 and verse 22, now the hand of the Lord was upon me. In chapter 37 and verse 1, the hand of the Lord was upon me. Chapter 40 and verse 1, the hand of the Lord was upon me. Ezekiel had the hand of the Lord upon his life. Tonight, we should be challenged to have the hand of God upon our lives as well. I'm thankful for all those who stood a few moments ago to say, it was on a whatever day of the week it was that somebody touched me. But you know, we don't need just the touch of God for salvation. We need the touch of God every day of our lives as we live for the Lord Jesus. Ezekiel was a spiritual shepherd, a watchman for God. And we need more watchmen today who are anointed and appointed by God. Where are the spiritual watchmen of our day as we see our, our nation and our, our, our state crumbling and folding I believe too many are watching television or watching social media instead of being the spiritual watchman that God has called them to be. So I think of our children who are growing up and leaving the things of God. I'm reminded as a parent, it's my responsibility to be a watchman for my children. And so chapters 1 through 3, we see Ezekiel as we take note of his reason to be a watchman. 
And then we see chapters 4 to 32, the biggest bulk of the book of Ezekiel, is given to the people's rebellion. Look with me, if you would, at chapter 2 and verse number 3 in your Bible there, chapter 2 and verse number 3. The Bible says, And he said unto me, Son of man, I send thee to the children of Israel, to a rebellious nation that hath rebelled against me, that they and their fathers have transgressed against me even unto this very day. For they are an impotent children and stiff-hearted. I send thee unto them, and thou shalt say unto them, Thus saith the Lord God, and they, whether they will hear or whether they will forbear, for they are a rebellious house, yet shall know that there hath been a prophet among them. These were a rebellious people, and yet they knew that Ezekiel was a prophet from God. Ezekiel's burden in the first 24 chapters of this great book focuses on coming judgment and the downfall of Jerusalem. These chapters comprise 10 sermons that we call sign sermons or action sign uh, sermons, if you would. Very powerful in their nature. These, then there are three times in these chapters we are told that Ezekiel was to be speechless, literally mute or dumb. He couldn't speak. And this happens until the fall of Jerusalem. You see, the message that God was sending to his people during this time was that since the people had chosen to close their ears and harden their hearts to God, that God was closing his mouth to them. In other words, God was saying to a people who chose to close their ears, I'm going to close my mouth and be mute as well. The people had become so deaf to the word of God, even the warnings of judgment had to be conveyed to them in the form of sign. It was sign language, if you would, at its best. And God, I believe, was seeking to arouse their curiosity. Have you ever been in a service where the pastor paused for a moment and in the quietness of that moment he arrested your attention God I believe is striving to gain the attention of his people Ezekiel's last sermon to his own people before He was completely unable to speak for about a year and a half as the tragedy of his wife's death. I'd like for you to turn with me to chapter 24 and see this with me this evening. Chapter number 24, and look down, if you would, at verse 15, 16, and 17. Also the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Son of man, behold, I take away from thee... Look at this sweet statement here, the desire of thine eyes with a stroke. Yet neither shalt thou mourn nor weep, neither shall thy tears run down. Forbear forbear to cry, make no mourning for the dead. Bind the tire of thine hand upon thee and put on thy shoes upon thy feet and cover not thy lips and eat not the bread of men. On the very day that Jerusalem was invaded by the armies of Nebuchadnezzar, God revealed to Ezekiel, who was in Babylon, what was taking place in a very shocking way 
by the loss of, his, uh, of the life of his wife. We know that Ezekiel loved his wife as she is referred to as the desire of his eyes. And as I pondered the message of this book, and as I took time to study this book, perhaps there was nothing that really grabbed me emotionally as thinking about the love of my life. As I remember the first day I laid eyes on my wife, Ezekiel was commanded not to mourn her loss or to express heartbreak in any way. And I would submit to you tonight that there have been years of my life that I've had a hard time really wrapping my head around this thought. Why is it that Ezekiel would be commanded not to take the time to mourn for his wife? God was sending a message to his people through his prophet that the personal sorrow of Ezekiel was to be overcome by the even greater sorrow of the fact of the ruin of Jerusalem and the nation of Israel. And as I consider our country tonight, I'm reminded that God's people need to be somber and sober about the direction and the state of our nation spiritually. We see in, verse, in chapters 4 to 24, Judah's rebellion. In 593 B.C., Ezekiel was called into the ministry at the age of 30. In 588 B.C., we see the siege of Jerusalem beginning in chapter 24. In 586, two years later, Jerusalem is destroyed by Babylon. I'd like for you to look with me at Ezekiel chapter 16, if you would, and we'll turn over there and look at a verse here tonight. Ezekiel 16, and look down at verse number 49. The Bible says, Behold, this was the iniquity of thy sister Sodom. And he gives a list of sin, starting with pride, fullness of bread, and abundance of idleness was in her and in her daughters. Neither did she strengthen the hand of the poor and needy. Tonight, literally, we could take one chapter of Ezekiel each Wednesday night, literally for 48 weeks, and do a study. The reality is there's a message right here in Ezekiel chapter 16 and verse 49. We ought to each look at this verse tonight and ask God to help us to avoid these sins in our lives as well. But not only was Ezekiel a prophet to the rebellious people, but he was also a prophet to the rebellious preachers. I'd like for you to turn with me to chapter 13, if you'll go back just a couple of chapters. And look with me at several verses here in Ezekiel chapter 13, as the word of the Lord comes to Ezekiel again in verse 1. And the word of the Lord came into me saying, Son of man, prophesy against the prophets of Israel that prophesy, and say unto them that prophesy out of their own hearts. I want you to take note of that. Hear ye the word of the Lord, thus saith the Lord God. Woe unto the foolish prophets who follow their own spirit. I want you to take note of that as well. And have seen nothing. O Israel, thy prophets are like the foxes in the desert. They're crafty. They have not gone up 
into the gap, neither made up the hedge for the house of Israel to stand in the battle in the day of the Lord. They have seen vanity and lying divination, saying, The Lord saith, but the Lord hath not sent them. They have made others to hope that they would confirm the word. Have ye not seen a vain vision? And have ye not spoken a lying divination, whereas ye say, The Lord saith it? Albeit I have not spoken. Verse 8, Therefore thus saith the Lord God, because ye have spoken vanity and seen lies. Therefore, behold, I am against you, saith the Lord God, and mine hand shall be upon the prophets that see vanity and their divine lies, and they shall not be in the assembly of my people, neither shall they be written in the writing of the house of Israel, neither shall they enter into the house of Israel, and ye shall know that I am the Lord God. I'd like for you to take note of that last statement because we're going to circle back to that towards the end of the message. Paul also, in the book of 2 Corinthians, spoke to those who are handling the word of God deceitfully. In chapter 4, verse 1 and 2, Therefore, seeing we have this ministry, as we have received mercy, we faint not, but have renounced the hidden things of dishonesty, not walking in craftiness, nor handling the word of God deceitfully, but by manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. I'm thankful tonight that Ezekiel was an anointed prophet of God, and we see the statement, the word of the Lord came unto Ezekiel 93 times in 48 chapters. I'm reminded of what Paul exhorted young Timothy to do as he pastored the church of Ephesus in 2 Timothy 4.2. Preach the word. Be instant in season, out of season. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort with all long-suffering and doctrine. Real watchmen know that you cannot improve upon the Bible. I'd like to encourage you to turn to chapter 33 as we continue this thought Chapter 33 of Ezekiel, and we're going to jump right into verse number 1. The Bible says in verse number 1, again, the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Son of man, speak unto the children of thy people, and say to them, When I bring the sword upon the land, if the people of the land take a man of their coast and set him for their watchman, if when he seeth the sword come upon the land and blow the trumpet, he blow the trumpet and warn the people, then whosoever heareth the sound of the trumpet and taketh not warning, if the sword come and take him away, his blood shall be upon his own head. He heard the sound of the trumpet and took not the warning. His blood shall be upon him. But he that taketh warning shall deliver his soul. But if the watchman see the sword come and blow not the trumpet and the people be not warned, if the sword come and take... Any person from among them, he is taken away in his iniquity, but his blood will I require at the watchman's hand. So thou, O son of man, I have set thee a watchman unto the house of Israel. Therefore thou shalt hear the word at my mouth, and warn them from me. When I say unto the wicked, O wicked man, thou shalt surely die, if thou dost not speak to warn the wicked from his way, that wicked man shall die in his iniquity, but his blood will I require at his hand, thine hand. Nevertheless, if thou warn the wicked of his way to turn from it, if he do not turn from his way, he shall die in his iniquity, but thou hast delivered thy soul. 
What's being stated here is pretty simple. It's the watchman's job to warn the people. And if the watchmen warn the people and they don't heed the warning, it's their own fault. But if the watchman does not warn the people, God says, I'm going to hold you responsible. This reminds me of Hebrews 13, 17. Obey them that have the rule over you and submit yourselves for they watch for your souls. As they that must give an account that they may do it with joy and not with grief, for that is unprofitable for you. And so Ezekiel gives a heartfelt cry in chapter 22. I'd like to ask you to turn to chapter 22, if you would, of Ezekiel. Perhaps the passage that Ezekiel is known the best for. Ezekiel chapter 22, and look down at verse number 30. Ezekiel says, And I sought for a man among them that should make up the hedge and stand in the gap before me for the land, that I should not destroy it, but I found none How sad that the verse doesn't just omit one letter in the last word of that verse and turn the none into one. But there was not a man found. What a tragic situation. There were so many that could have stepped up to the plate. There were so many that could have stood in the gap to make up the hedge. But these men were simply unwilling to make the choice that could have spared the nation of Israel from the judgment of God. As I think of Abraham, I'm reminded of a man who stood before the Lord for the people. And Proverbs 28 and verse 2 says that, For the transgression of a land, many are the princes thereof, but by a man of understanding and knowledge, the state thereof shall be prolonged. May I say tonight that we all have a responsibility to our nation. We live in a rebellious day and a rebellious nation. But I want to challenge my church family tonight to be willing as God's children, ambassadors for Christ, to stand in the gap and make up the hedge. We stand in the gap and make up the hedge as we stand for the Word of God, as the Word of God came into Ezekiel 93 times. I'm reminded of Proverbs 4. Verse 26 and 27, it says, Ponder the path of thy feet, and let all thy ways be established. Turn not to the right hand or to the left. Remove thy foot from evil. And as I am reminded of the statement, turn not to the right hand or to the left, I'm reminded that even God, as He wanted to speak highly of a king, He would say, He turned not to the right hand or to the left. Here's an individual who didn't turn from the Bible to the right hand or to the, or to the left. And it reminds me tonight that we are living in a day where there are those that are abandoning the Bible. They're turning to the left and they're changing the doctrine of the grace of God. Jude says they're changing it into lasciviousness. And Paul told Titus, that the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. And we are living in a day where there are those who are apostate, if you will. They're leaving the things of God. They're afraid of the holiness of God and the righteousness of God. 
They don't want to stand for truth. They don't want to stand for right. And so they take the easy road and they turn from the word of God to the left. But I'm also reminded that there's two ways to compromise the Bible. You can dilute the Bible, but you can also pollute the Bible. You can also turn to the right. And I want to say tonight that as a good watchman, we've got to be so careful that as we walk the narrow path, we realize that there's a ditch on either side. There's a ditch on the left. There's a ditch on the right. And the Bible says, every word of God is pure. He's a shield of them that put their trust in him. Add thou not unto his words, lest he reprove thee and thou be found a liar. Tonight, we've got to be so careful that we don't contaminate the Bible just as we don't dilute the Bible. As God's people, we need to stand in the gap and run to the Scriptures and not from the Scriptures. And then we come to chapters 25 to 32 and we see the rebellion of the Gentile nations. Ezekiel turns his attention to seven of them. We see Ammon in chapter 25, verses 1 through 7. We see Moab in verses 8 through 11. Edom... Verses 12 to 14. Philistia, verses 15 to 17. And then chapter 26 through 28, we see Tyre. And then the latter part of 28 through 24, Sidon. And then chapter 29 to 32, Egypt. And then Ezekiel again turns his attention back to his own people. With Judah fallen and the people in exile, his message now changes to a message of comfort. As these were captives, as he sought to encourage their heart and tell them of the coming glory and restoration God was going to bring. And that leads me to my final point tonight. We see in chapters 33 to 48, God's restoration. How many of you are thankful tonight for the restoration that God gives? I love the 23rd Psalm, He restoreth my soul. Ezekiel turns his attention back to his own people who are in exile. He comforts the hearts of these captives and prophesies wonderful news about the glory of their future. Look with me at chapter 36, if you would, tonight. And we'll take a look at a verse here in chapter 36. Chapter 36, and look down, if you would, at verse number 36. The Bible says, Then... The heathen that are left round about you shall know that I, the Lord, build the ruined places and plant that that was desolate. I, the Lord, have spoken it and I will do it. I'm so thankful that God brings restoration in our lives. He brings restoration to individuals. He brings restoration to homes. And he can bring restoration to nations when we change our rebellious actions and our heart begins to hear the Word of God and obey the Word of God. When I was in high school, I loved old pickups. That hasn't changed. And I am a Chevy lover, but there's a particular year, 1956 Ford pickup that I love. And uh, the 53, 54, and 55 are very, very similar. That's what Brother Langston has. And he's done a great job restoring that pickup. Anytime he wants to give me the keys, I would be more than happy to receive them. Amen. But when I was in high school, I actually had a 1950 Ford pickup that I was going to restore, and I wasn't able to do that. And I actually had a 1954 Chevy pickup as well that I was able to get working and driving and so forth. But 
But uh, I always wanted a 56 Ford pickup and I found one and the price was unbelievably low. The truck ran, it needed to be restored. And I didn't have money, but I knew my trucks and I was telling my buddy about it. And he had money, but didn't know his trucks. And I took him to see it. And he came to look at this 1956 Ford and I said, this is the collector of the collector. And he said, I don't know, I just don't like it. I just don't like it. I said, you, I'm telling you, you paint that thing. And you, you know, I walked him through it. He goes, I just don't know. He says, I, I know my trucks and I just, I don't like that year. I don't like that body style. So sure enough, a friend of mine bought the truck and he painted it canary yellow and he put a big block Chevy motor in it. And he put on the back powered by Chevy for whatever, whatever reason. And a few weeks later, my friend that didn't buy the truck said, you see that canary yellow truck? That's the truck that I want right there. And I looked at him and I said, you idiot. And he looked at me and said, what are you talking about? I said, that's the truck I took you to and tried to get you to buy. And he said, no, it's not. I said, yes, it is. He still hasn't fixed the grill. There's still the, you know, and I told him the spot. He went and looked at it. He couldn't believe it. He said, that's the same truck? And I said, yes. I begged him to buy the truck and he didn't. And once the truck was being restored, all of a sudden he decided he wanted it. I'm so thankful for the restoration that God brings into our life and it reminds me that as we reach people in this sin-sick, sin-torn world, they're gonna need time to be restored as well. May God help us have compassion on the lost. God not only brings the restoration, but he brings the blessings. Look at chapter 34 with me, if you would. I'm trying to watch the clock here. Chapter 34, if you would, and look down at verse number 26. And I will make them uh, and, and uh, the places round about my high heels a blessing. And I will cause the shower to come down in his season. There shall be showers of blessing. Amen. Come to chapter 37, and we have the valley of the dry bones. I could have pulled up Brother Heil's old sermon on that and preached it, I suppose, but I didn't. And so tonight, as we recap very briefly, chapters 1 through 3, we see the reason of Ezekiel. He's called to be a watchman. Chapters 4 to 32, we see the rebellion of God's people. In chapters 33 to 48, we see the restoration of the Lord. But you're all probably wondering at this point, well, what is our, our word for the book of Ezekiel? I'd like to ask you to turn back with me tonight. to chapter 6. Let's go back to chapter 5. And I want you to see a statement that I'm going to ask you as you read the book of Ezekiel to underline and look for. The Bible says in chapter 5 in verse number 13, Thus shall mine anger be accomplished, and I will cause my fury to rest upon them, and I will be comforted. And here's the statement. You can underline it if you'd like. And they shall know that I, the Lord, have spoken. Look at chapter 6, if you would, with me at the end of verse 7. The last statement, and ye shall know that I am the Lord. Look down at verse 10 of chapter 6, please. And they shall know that I am the Lord. Verse 14, at the end of the chapter, and they shall know that I am the Lord am the Lord. Chapter 7, the end of verse 4, and ye shall know that I am the Lord. The end of verse 9, and ye shall know that I am the Lord. The end of verse 27, and they shall know that I am the Lord. I think we're kind of getting the idea here. Chapter 11, verse 10, and ye shall know that I 
am the Lord. Verse 12, and ye shall know that I am the Lord. Chapter 12, verse 15, and they shall know that I am the Lord. The end of verse 16, and they shall know that I am the Lord. Verse 20, and ye shall know that I am the Lord. Verse 9, and ye shall know that I am the Lord. Verse 23 of chapter 13, and ye shall know that I am the Lord. Chapter 14, verse 8, and ye shall know that I am the Lord. Some nearly 70 times. Ezekiel says, I want you to know that I'm the Lord. I believe that God is saying, I'm desiring your reverence. I'm desiring your reverence. Reverence will be the word that I choose for Ezekiel. So I believe that every sin problem in our life is caused because of our lack of reverence for God. When we fail to reverence God, we become rebellious at heart and quit listening to the word of the Lord and consequently suffer the judgment of God. You see, tonight we either reverence the sin in our lives or we reverence our Savior and run from our sin. Tonight, as I consider the word reverence, and I'm reminded that it means deep respect. I'm reminded of the respect that I have for our country. And I'm thankful for a church that respects our nation's flag and our anthem. A church that's very patriotic. It bothers me when people disrespect our flag. It bothers me when people disrespect our country. Because of the men and women who've shed their blood for the freedoms that you and I tonight are enjoying. But tonight, I'm reminded of another blood that's been shed. I'm reminded of the blood of Jesus Christ that was shed on the cross of Calvary for you and for me. And I'm reminded that we're living in a day where it seems like Christians have a lack of reverence for the things of God and this sweeping in our nation of this casual Christianity has moved in like never before. And Ezekiel is a call to you and I to come back to having a great reverence for the Lord Jesus Christ. Every day of our life, we need to take time to be reminded that we serve a holy God. Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty. Thank you for listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. For more information about our ministry or to find out how to get in contact with us, visit our website at nvbc.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week.